guys. This is Sports Illustrated's Oliver Elvis. I'm just driving back from the airport. I had to go pick up my wife and son, and so I'm listening to some of the old episodes. I listened to an episode of Action Film Face-Off where you pitted Thor Ragnarok against Point Break. Now, Ragnarok did win, but I think it should have had one more point because you didn't mention the cool play at the very beginning when Loki was pretending to be Odin and they had the really cool play and it had Chris Hemworth's brother playing Thor. You know, Matt Damon was in it. So, yeah, that would that should have gotten a little shout-out. But anyway, give it one more point. Thank you very much. The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 1986 versus 2002. Two films enter. One film leaves. There can be only one. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. All right, welcome to Action Film Face Off. This is a show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of those random years. I will bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother, Jason, the weaselest of all the skulls. We're both military combat vets who take our action very seriously, but not too seriously. Let's have some fun. For tonight's episode, it's a regular episode. These are some of those movies that Jason and I have seen several times. <laughs> so, uh, times. yeah, just a regular episode for this one. Yes, indeed. And what are we going to do? Well, we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories. What are those categories, you ask? Well, I retort story, overall spectacle, best action scene the hero, and the villain. And it's still not in that order. Keep you on your toes. Then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. And as always, since our 30th episode, we've had snipers on. And if you really pay attention to our schedule, you'll know that every third episode, once a quarter, we have a regular sniper it is the captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Welcome back, Kathy. Woo woo! Hello, fellas. Hello. How are Kathy. we tonight? I'm excited. We got a couple of good ones tonight. I'm very excited as well. All right. Now, normally, if uh, it wasn't a returning guest, we'd say, "Hey, what are your three favorite action films?" But Kathy already answered that question. I think she gave us 14 action films when we asked. Yeah, and they were all Fast and the Furious. They were the version. <laughs> Which apparently someone who listens to the show may or may not have a problem with. So I guess, Jason, he will not be on our um, Fast and Curious podcast when we get that started. <laughs> I'll try to, to get over that. I will. All right. Who apparently also takes issue with me being on multiple episodes of Action Film Face Off, but I want to remind him of the list of shows that he has been on Mm. 
that I have not mm. been on. So I think what I get jealous of with Dave is the quotable quotes he's got so many. <laughs> Come down on him. It's still my favorite one. You're not being the negotiator. <laughs> you can't fight and you lie. Anyways, we, we definitely have a uh, behind-the-scenes brouhaha between Kathy and Dave. and Well, they'll figure that out eventually. I'm coming but, for you, Dave. <laughs> for our two films and Kathy and Dave enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick this episode off with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. They get to vote on show content, so much more. These are the folks that are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Angelica Wolf. Oh. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. That old battle wagon himself, Dave Collins. Battle wagon. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman, too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. That's me. Mark Ross. The monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Code name, Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're recent edition, we'll add you soon. But no worries, we can straighten this out. You can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com if we're missing you, and we will get it ironed out. If you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's rather simple. You just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. We certainly appreciate the support. Every once in a while, we like to tell folks what we're doing with your funds. Basically, we use it for technology upgrades, hosting fees, things like that. So we put the money back in the show, and we also do giveaway stuff that covers the postage for the giveaway stuff. What you got, you got to give it to Crusaders. <laughs> you got, you got to give it to Crusade. <laughs> give it away, give it away. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a coverage. Right we do it too yeah, good. started it, guys, down the rabbit hole. All right, let's now we got all that business out of the way. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1986, and I have selected Highlander. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 2002, and really there was only one choice. I put into our video dome arena Spider Man. Oh boy, we got a fine matchup for this one, folks. So it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his selection better than mine. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> I honestly, haven't, I don't know. I haven't even done the math on my scores yet. <laughs> I didn't either. But it's close. It's close. I, well, I guess I'll have to see. Anyways, or vice versa. He might like. Anyways, it's all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's do a quick around the room on where and how we saw it. We will start with Kathy. How did you watch these? I have. The director's cut of Highlander on DVD. Excellent. Which I watched 
which includes eight additional minutes of footage. With Spider-Man, we may have a problem because I thought you said our favorite Spider-Man, not oh. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Oh, so you watched the old TV show from the 70s? <laughs> Um, no, mine had Andrew Garfield in it. Oh, you watched oh, the wrong okay. okay. Right. Well, just make it up as you go. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but I have that on a uh, digital on vo- my Voodoo account. Oh, I bought right. a I bought a bundle. I've watched them recently because I rewatched everything before seeing No Way Home. Oh, it was like a Spider Man bundle. You got like, oh, very cool, very cool. Hmm. Okay. Check well, just I, the, Toby Maguire's were the only ones I did not have. Hmm. That should tell you something. Aww. So did you do the voodoo that you do so well? I knew he was going to say that. I knew. I did. As soon as we went to Jason. He was gonna say, speaking of going to Jason, how did you watch these films? I watched it on Blu-ray for both. I have the Blu-ray for the Highlander Director's Cut Edition and the Blu-ray for Spider-Man. Well, my friends, I took a trip out to my building out back. Can you hear that? <laughs> you know what the sound is? That is not the sound of me drumming on the table. <laughs> no. <laughs> is that the sound of these months? No. That's the sound of VHS cassettes. I have both of these on VHS. So I said, you know what? We'll do it old school. Watch it low def on a 27-inch tube TV playing in my VCR. One of five VCRs that I have. Did you rewind it when you were finished? Though? Of course. What am I, a savage? <laughs> All right. There you <laughs> go. Did it make the special effects better? it glossed over some imperfections probably. <laughs> you know, in a semi-serious moment here, sometimes that does help watching mm-hmm. it on VHS because yep. it's, there are some scenes that are just like, whoo, that does not hold. They up. did their best to hide those wires on Christopher Lambert at the end when he got the quickening. And when you see it in HD, it's different from when you see it on VHS. Like, I can see those wires. <laughs> HD's nuts too. Yeah, brilliant. by the way, yes, of course. All right, folks, it's time for your spoiler warning, and we're about to play a quick musical break for you. And, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen these, where have you been, I guess? But we will uh, let you pause it here. If you're like, oh, man, I've never seen Highlander or I've never seen Spider-Man, well, we'll meet you on the other side of this musical break. All right, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those two movies. I think they're both outstanding. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1986's Highlander. From another time comes a man of great power. Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. man uncertain of his future what you got here brenda is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700 it's not possible and haunted by his past wait a minute nash i want some answers you cannot die mcleod i'm connor mcleod of the clan mcleod I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. I am immortal. <laughs> A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. You will always be weaker than I. 
What can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at one o'clock in the morning, New York City, 1985? Not much, for he is not alone. In the end... There can be only one. And here we are, we're the princes of the universe. Here we belong, fighting for survival. We've come to be the rulers of the world. The cast and crew is as follows. It stars Christopher Lambert, Clancy Brown, and a little-known and up-and-coming actor named Sean Connery. It's directed by Russell Mulcahy. It's Mulcahy. I listened to the commentary. It's Mulcahy. That's how he says it. I'd believe her. And the synopsis goes a little something like this. Connor McLeod is an eternal being. And there are a handful of other near invulnerable immortals running around Earth. They are drawn to engage one another in combat. And the only way you can win is to decapitate your opponent until there's just one left. So we follow the adventures of Connor from the discovery of, of what he is through his training with the charming Ramirez all the way to the final confrontation with the dreaded Kurgan. I actually wrote a synopsis for once, Jason. I didn't say, y'all should already know this movie. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right, let's get into the interesting trivia. Our main man, Sean Connery, you may have heard of him. He's been in a franchise called the 007 franchise. Some people are familiar with it. No, no, Zeben. Yeah, that's the one. He worked on this film for just one week and made a cool $1 million for one week's work. That's how I roll, son. <laughs> he couldn't pay his rent at LBC headquarters, but, you know, hey. Back around the Otis, a <laughs> million dollars for one week. I'm starting to suspect something was up. Mm. And apparently he read the um, opening credit scene in his bathroom in his Spanish villa. There you go. The only additional I was going to put onto that trivia that I didn't write in here was that he actually bet Russell Mulcahy that he would not get all the scenes filmed within a week. and. Connery actually lost the bet to Russell. <laughs> so I don't know what the, the amount was. But the, maybe it was a million bucks. Who knows? But they pulled it off. And apparently in the commentary, he was asking on the last day, are you sure you got everything? Are you sure you got it all? Because he apparently had a good time on, scene, on set. Yes. And I, I've got a little bit on that. Actually, I don't. I didn't put that piece in. But I did, know, I did learn that he and Christopher Lambert actually became very good friends. They enjoy each other's company quite a bit. Uh, speaking of Christopher Lambert, he had just barely learned to speak English when he took this role. Much to the surprise of the producers, they thought he actually spoke English, but it was very, very lean. The only other English-speaking movie he had been in that point was Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan from 1984. And I got to tell you, Jason, I completely forgot that it was Christopher Lambert was in Greystoke. I How could you forget that? Like I remember the movie quite a bit because like the first Tarzan movie I saw as a kid, but I like I did not remember it was Christopher Lambert. FYI. He's really hot. I would imagine if you're playing Tarzan. Finally, this one's for you, Jason. Queen originally intended to record only one song for this movie, but after viewing footage of the movie, they were inspired to write more. The band members each had a favorite scene and composed a song specifically for that scene. Brian May wrote, Who Wants to Live Forever? One of the greatest songs of all time. I literally want to play it at my funeral. During the cab ride home, 
after seeing this movie and Roger Taylor used the line, it's a kind of magic as the basis for his song. And I just thought that was really cool that they really got into the movie. I mean, they're supposed to do a song. They ended up doing a soundtrack and it's fantastic. It's a great album too. Oh, top to bottom, top to bottom. It's fantastic. I would like to add that the two actors that were considered for the role of Connor McLeod were your man, Kurt Russell and a little known man named Mark Singer, AKA Beastmaster, <laughs> which is one of my favorite movies as a child. I'm still trying to see Beastmaster. I literally I have not seen it. Yeah. I want to see it. The only oh. other thing I would do want to add, I did a little listening to the director's commentary. I learned that Mr. Mulcahy was into the music video world for quite some time prior to directing feature films. Yeah, he did a lot of Duran Duran videos and stuff. He did all of the Rio, Mm -hmm. Reflex, Wild Boys, Boys! (laughs) Hungry Like the Wolf. So I'm I'm a fan of a lot of his work. (laughs) Never shown this way. Wild Boys! Uh, (laughs) Save some trivia for when we get to the (laughs) the actual film discussion. (laughs) I hope you have as much trivia for Spider-Man as you have for... For Highlander, I have none. I swear, y'all, I have y'all none. Make me earn my editing money on this ep- this show every time. All right, people Jason love Stewart. us. Save people love us. They do. All right, here we go. Now I will give you the rundown on 2002's Spider-Man. Not everyone is meant to make a difference, but for me, the choice to live an ordinary life. It's no longer an option. He saved my life twice, and I've never even seen his face. Amazing. The cast and crew included Toby Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Willem Dafoe. It was directed by Sam Raimi. And Jared, before I get to my synopsis, I just want to say what a good job you did writing yours out. My synopsis is. Spidey finally makes a leap to the big screen. It's Spider-Man. You know the story. This one, he fights Green Goblin. Trivia. This was the first film to gross $100 million on its opening weekend alone. Also, Hugh Jackman was supposed to make a Wolverine cameo in the film, but they couldn't get his costume released from the X-Men set. He flew all the way out to New York and just couldn't get in there. The third... The Green Goblin costume was originally supposed to be bulkier and more armored, but since Willem Dafoe did 90% of his own stunts, the studio stripped it down to give him more flexibility and maneuverability. Apparently, Peter Parker is quite the artist. I never realized 
Oh yeah, like his sketchbook when he's designing his costume. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's I impressive. Did, <laughs> I did learn that the actual person who did those sketches. Wonder Woman artist Phil Jimenez. I knew it had to be a pro. When I saw those guys, like, that's got to be a pro. That's neat. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you of Match Game. We have two films, five categories, which means 10 possible matches for Jason and I. He has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. So play the game within the game called Match Game and make your guess now how many times are Jason and I going to match. Speaking of scores, a five is average. A five is something you've seen a decent made-for-TV movie. It gets the job done. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, which is probably where all the stuff for all both these films is going to reside. Boom, four, three, two, one, and you're getting into, I don't know, Alan Quartermain, the Temple of Skull territory. All right, with that, let's get in round one. Put the knife away and shut your mouth. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? We will start with Highlander from 1986. Kathy, what are your thoughts on that story? It's awesome. <laughs> is that good enough? No, concur. Concur. I have always been fascinated with the idea of immortality. It sounds amazing to me because I think, hey, you screw up one life, you get to start over, do it right, maybe better the next time. But then you also have to consider how lonely it would be. I live alone with eight cats um, (laughs) and I'm not immortal. So (laughs) This, this show took a turn. Like Christopher Lambert said when he took the role, He found it intriguing that someone who had lived a life of such loss, that he was still living a life of humor and positivity. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. FYI, I love this movie. (laughs) I love it, too. I love it, too. It definitely does pose those questions, doesn't it? It's like, hey, immortality seems cool. Might not be so cool. (laughs) There's definitely some downsides. Let's get Jason's thoughts. I agree with Kathy. The central theme of immortality, the benefits and its curses, you know, it's been a a theme that's been with storytelling for a while. Maybe listeners will heard of like Casca, the eternal soldier, um, a man that's cursed to go from war to war to war. It's interesting how the actual having immortality does bring with it so many consequences, which we see in this movie as Kathy astutely pointed out. I think the story is so well done, and the evidence to me is twofold. Number one, and you touched upon it in your trivia, Jared, the band Queen made a whole album of it. These were some of the best songwriters of a generation that had massive hits, and the inspiration they got from this movie alone, enough to make an entire album, really speaks to the depths of of the script in this film. Number two, there have been many attempts to make sequels and TV shows and such, and we've talked a little bit about that on this and other shows. It just doesn't hold up. Everything you really need for this good story is self-contained in this one film, which knows how to start, tell the story, and how to end. And that's so hard to find in movies and stories today. It's very simplistic, but they seem to do it so well. No, Yeah, absolutely. 
In number three, in Talladega Nights, we learned it won the Academy Award for Best Movie Ever Made. Best Movie Ever Made, yeah. <laughs> I rest my case. I thought you were going to say, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> no, it will be say. reflected in my score. You know, Kathy came in there moments ago to say something that I was going to tack on the end, and she's absolutely right. It's simple. It's a simple story. And like we talked about it, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jason, on the last episode. Simple story, but exceptionally well executed. What I, what I really find fascinating about it is if, if you went to somebody who'd never heard it, if we went back, let's say we went back to 1983 and it didn't even exist. You went to somebody and said, hey, they're going to make a movie about immortal guys that can only kill each other if you cut their heads off. You'd be like, yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds cheesy and dumb, but they make it so powerful and so well executed. Yeah. I'm going to have a good score for this one, too. But before we get to it, let's talk about Spider-Man. The story of Spider-Man, that's, that's a classic. Kathy, don't screw this up. What are your thoughts? As Spider-Man says, it's all about a girl. Literally, the entire movie is about him trying to get Mary Jane. That's like Peter Parker's character arc for, what, 40 years? 50 years? <laughs> Pretty much. Now, y'all have to be gentle with me as far as Spider-Man, because y'all have a plethora of knowledge of the Spider-Man character compared to me, because if You're it's damn in, right, we do. <laughs> if it's not in any of these movies, I don't know it. So you'll know when Jason and I slip into that mode, when we start using comic book voice, <laughs> sweet Christmas, Kathy. I can't believe you don't know that. <laughs> but now what, what did you think of the story though? Bill, you know, you said it's all about a girl. I mean, you're really kind of watching Stanley and Steve Ditko's blueprint for the character. So does it move you anyway? Is it, do you feel like it's a typical superhero story? Is there anything stand out? Just want, I'm interested in your thoughts since you do have such fresh eyes on it. I think it's difficult for me to say just because I am just not charmed by Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. He may be the perfect Spider-Man from the comic world. I just don't know that. I think the story was, was good and it was delivered well. I just, I don't know. I think it's an issue with Tobey Maguire. No, that's fair. And, you know, then you get into the the age old problem we have on this show. Do I take it out on the story or do I take it out on the hero or both? Mm. <laughs> but overall, I do like the story. Let's talk about Jason's thoughts and then maybe I'll come in after. I don't know. I really just don't know what else to say. I, I don't want to sound like I hate the movie because I don't hate it. All right, Jason, Spider-Man 2002, your thoughts, the story. Well, as you know, I'm sure as you remember, this is the movie we were all waiting for. Spider-Man on the big screen, to me, it didn't disappoint. It's not a perfect movie, and we'll get into that. But as far as the story is concerned for me, what I was looking for is does it have the elements that make Spider-Man Spider-Man? And I had to walk away with a solid yes. This is a man that becomes a hero through not just getting bit by a spider, but through tragedy, the death of uncle Ben that sets his life on that course. And then you have aunt may Aunt may is the nurturing figure. That's always there for him. That helps him navigate the path, both as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man. You have Mary Jane, his love. You've got J Jonah Jameson, All these characters just play their parts to perfection. The script is really well done. Simple action beats get you through the story. But as far as an origin story for Spider-Man on the big screen, no complaints. You forgot to mention the big kahuna. He's in this as well. I think he mentioned Uncle Ben. (laughs) 
No, the big kahuna. <laughs> She's a big fan of Cliff Robertson, who played yes. the big kahuna in a movie called Gidget. <laughs> yes, that's why when we were out in L.A., I took a picture of Cliff Robertson's star on Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. I knew she's going to get excited about it. <laughs> Cliff Robertson. She's a fan. I am too. He's a great Uncle Ben. He was great. I do remember enjoying this movie much more when I saw it at the theater. I think going back and watching it now after seeing other portrayals of Spider-Man, that maybe has tarnished this first movie for me. Hmm. Let's move into the score. <laughs> I like your movie better. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not Jared versus Jared Jason. Versus it's in the script. <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. Let's start scoring. Let's go back. Let's score the story of Highlander 1986. Jason, did you give it a nine or a 10? <laughs> Hold on a second. I know the, faint, the listeners love this when I break out the score paper here. All right. Highlander story. Yes. Ten. Flawless victory. The Spanish for ten for those of you who don't mm-hmm. habla. <laughs> and I gave it a nine, a very solid nine. Which is German for no, you mean ten. <laughs> I, I gave it a nine. I think it's really good. Like I said, if you just explain it out loud, it sounds dumb. But the execution is what makes the, the story really, really work. So I'm giving well, I'm it gonna a nine. give it an eleven so it evens out. <laughs> well, we'll get to you, 11. sniper. Yeah. We'll get to you. <laughs> I think I know where she's going to put her sniper's bullet. All right, let's go to Spider-Man 2002, 1 to 10. Jason? I had to give it a 10. Flawless victory. Flawless victory coming out of the gate, at least as far as the story is concerned. You you are like, you're the good mood guy this time, because I gave it a 9 as well. I thought it was really, really good, really strong, especially for, you know, that first outing. Like you said, people have been waiting for Spider-Man. It's like a theater full of people, and they're all thinking... I'll get my own bleep machine ready. Don't f*** this up. <laughs> oh, I've been prepared to take it all over this movie. <laughs> but, man. Ah, yes. Anyway, so those are our official scores. Nines and tens. And Jason's our good mood contestant for tonight. Kathy, I have a firm guess of where you're going to put your sniper's bolt. Well, let's make it official. Highlander. Highlander it is. And that's the end of round one. Was that there simple can, enough? Yeah. There could be only one bullet. Oh, dang it. See, I can't even make funny jokes. That would have been good. Yeah, funny. Is... <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a sliding scale. There's a buffer there. <laughs> that makes it my turn, I do believe. And we're going to talk about the hero from Highlander and Spider-Man. We'll start with Highlander. Uh, what did you think about Ramirez? And uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like his Cavalier hat. I do, too. That is a sweet hat. And so, Kathy, we'll let you lead it off again. Give me your take on the heroes, Connor McLeod, Ramirez, ETA, all Brenda from Islander. McLeod definitely got better as a swordsman as the movie progressed. He literally did not land one blow in his very first battle before he was killed. <laughs> mm. I love Christopher Lambert because of this movie. I think he did an amazing job for knowing as little English as he did. Obviously, he worked very hard and he was so charming. He was worldly. I think he did a fantastic job. I love Kurt Russell and we all know I love Mark Singer, but I don't know that they could have done a better job. I think they were probably too popular at the time. I think Christopher Lambert did an amazing job. And of course, Sean Connery, I mean, 
if I'm going to pick my favorite scenes in the movie, it's going to be the scenes with him in it. You can't deny it. No argument. No argument from me at all. It was interesting because I read somewhere that, and you brought up how English was by far the second language of uh, Christopher Lambert, but it made it, he had an interesting accent and the director liked it because it sounded like a man who lived in a lot of places around the world. And there's that scene. You say, you talk funny, Nash, where are you from? And he says, lots of different places. Yeah, I think that was perfect to explain. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jared, why don't you take it from there? What do you think of uh, Highlander and crew? All right. Yeah. Fair, to, fair to Midland, I yeah. think, is the good phrase, the good phrase to use. I mean, no, let's let's be real here. This is iconic. Iconic in a neat way, too, because if if you were around in 86, you know, there was a small buzz around Highlander. Like, it found its home on VHS. It was one of those movies that found its home on VHS. Canon Films, baby. Canon Films. <laughs> HBO Canon Video. I got it right here. I was going to say, right. I probably saw it on HBO a lot, is how I saw it so many times. Not even on VHS. My next-door neighbor, Stephen Bogers, had it on VHS, and we watched it all the time. And I'm certain Jason picked it up at some point on VHS. So, yeah, as far as, like, a hero goes, Christopher Lambert, he plays it interesting. He's got good physicality. He's got great eyes. He has expressive eyes for a lot of different things. And and you have to give him credit for playing almost two or three different characters. He has to go from naive villager to discovering who he is to becoming this world traveler, very sophisticated guy by the end of the film. So he's essentially got to play three characters in a short amount of time. I think he just nails it. All right. So we're already looking at a pretty good score. And then you take the most delicious additive that you can put into any movie, which is Sean Connery. You sprinkle that in. You sprinkle that in. And I want to say, I don't have it in front of me, or maybe I do. Let me look at the back of my VHS tape. Hold one. He's not credited on the back. I want to say Alan North played the cop that was kind of investigating things. He's the same guy that played the cop in the old Police Files TV show with Leslie Nielsen. He basically played the same role, which I also love. So, Jason, I'll talk all night if you let me look for a big score. All right, all right. Let's switch it up and talk a little bit about Spider-Man. What do we think about Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire nailed it, right, Kathy? (laughs) Hey, Kathy. Well, I guess I kind of already explained it. I just, I don't find him charming. Well, you guys tell me. What were y'all expecting as Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the character? Because I went in with no expectations when I saw this movie in the theater because I didn't know the comics. So was he a good Peter Parker Spider-Man? I don't know. Yeah, he was really good. (laughs) Absolutely. Essentially, Kathy, you have to be able to play nerdy and mousy and athletic and flippant. You have to do both. And I thought he did a good job. But hey, that's just me. It's your round. You keep talking. I did think as a character, though, not necessarily talking about Toby, but the character, he was very relatable. Like, all he wanted was the girl. I mean, what high school boy, like, that's that's all they're interested in in high school, right? That and Little Debbie's snacks. <laughs> Little Debbie's. That's a girl and a snack. And a snack. <laughs> <laughs> to me, what I was looking for in a Peter Parker was somebody I could relate to. I think that's what really makes Spider-Man so popular He's relatable to all of us that were just not with the cool crowd. He's got his skills. He's very smart. He's very talented. He's not sure of himself at all because he's in this environment where he's just not part of the normal crowd. 
So that's what I was looking for. Does he make me feel how I felt when I was in high school to some degree? And I thought he nailed it. He really did. Well, I appreciate that. Like I said, I, I'm not as knowledgeable as you guys are as far as the characters. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I just I just answering your previous question. So let's go ahead and score them up. Jared, what did you give Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod from Highlander? I'll be honest with you, Jason. When I sat down, I had a nine written down. And then I looked at my, because, you know, I got the VHS right here. And he's probably on the cover. And then I flipped it over and I was like, oh, yeah, Sean Connery's in this movie. Ten. Flawless victory. Match game. Same reason. <laughs> Love it. All right. What did you give Tobey Maguire for Spider-Man? Peter Parker. Now, if you remember, on our last episode, I gave Batman a 10 because it's freaking Batman. You gave him a 7, some weird-ass reasons. My and Batman we, doesn't kill. We won't Batman. dig up the past. No, no you right. dug it up. You dug it up. All right. So, We're gonna but you know it. what? It's fair enough because Jason gave it a 7 because he says Batman doesn't kill. So, I guess the real question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, is Spider-Man a top-tier character worthy of a 10? Absolutely. Did they live up to the character? Absolutely. 10. Flawless victory. Same score, same reasons. Match game. So apparently y'all don't have an issue with Spider-Man killing someone then. Uh, he just got out of the way, really. That dude killed himself. <laughs> that dude, that, he that pushed dude him killed. out the window. He didn't push him out. The guy tripped over the pipe. The guy he tripped, tripped over, over the, the pipe. pipe. Oh, I thought she was, I, and, and originally I thought she was talking about Green Goblin. That, he did that to himself by sending the glider. He spider just got mm-hmm. out of the way. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why. No, I was talking too, about the so. guy who killed Uncle Ben. No, no, he fell out the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch it. You'll see. It's an accident. Yeah, he trips on the pipe, and Spider-Man goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did you, but, but did you die? Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> but that's all right. We're tied up, but it's up to Kathy who's going to get this point. I think I know. Mr. Legend of Greystoke, Mr. Connor McLeod. Mm. Of course you did. <laughs> it and, Mr. Good. and Mr. Ramirez with his fancy hat. That's right. Actually, he's Egyptian. You said you were from Spain. <laughs> You're a liar. You're a liar. I said he had a fancy hat, is what I said. We're <laughs> just quoting from the movie. We've gone we do this. We're, da- we're down a rabbit hole. Shut guys. up now. <laughs> <laughs> Those were peacock feathers, which I thought were quite gorgeous, by the way. I thought we- they were cool, too. All right, Jared, I'm going to pass this over to you, and you're going to take us into the next round. The next round is the villainy round. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate on Bill. How villainous is your villain? Does he have a lot of villainy? Is he filled with venom and villainy? <laughs> Let's find out. Great movies have great villains. And uh, man, oh man, Jason, you get to go first. So get ready to gush about the fantastic villainy of Highlander. Clancy Brown is the man. Anytime I see Clancy Brown name in anything, I'm in. This guy got that deep voice he's got that presence and in this movie he's in his peak fighting form he looks scary he sounds scary he's scary every time he's on the scene it's Connor McLeod's not a little guy but when you stand him up against Cargan, he looks small I just we can talk about all those scenes that scene when he's in the church I have something to say better to burn out than to fade away Happy Halloween, ladies. Yeah! Which he he actually wrote that line, the fade away. Fade away, yeah. Oh, that was just so great. That battle between him and Ramirez. This has got to be visually 
the presence, the limes, one of the best villains on screen, in my humble opinion, and another reason why this won the Academy Award for best movie ever made. Of course you are. <laughs> Kathy, additional thoughts on Kurgan, <laughs> as played by Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown is amazing in this role. I do love him as well. And like you said, he's so overpowering and just like, I guarantee if I was in his presence, I would be scared to death. My slight issue is just with the character of Kurgan. It's so one-dimensional. Literally, his only motivation is just power. And that's it. Like, does he even know what he's doing in the whole movie? He's literally just like, me, man, me fight, me kill. But I think Clancy Brown did an amazing job at that. Fair enough. I agree with you on that, Kathy. I think he's one note. I think it's a strong note, but it's one note. I track you on that. I really do. Let's go talk about the Green Goblin in Spider-Man 2002, as played by Willem Maurice Feldman Defoe. Jason. I thought Willem Defoe did a great job as Norman Osborn. He looks that part. Willem Defoe just has that. He, look, little, he looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, he looks a little off about old Willem in a charming way. I'm, I'm sure he's, he's nice. goblin-esque. You can say <laughs> he's goblin-esque he's goblin in a charming way. But at any rate, I think as Norman Osborn, he's top-notch. I think where it falls apart a little bit for me is the Power Ranger look of the Green Goblin. I'm not going to go into it because it's been talked about for decades now. But it's true. If you look at at his return in the, the most recent Spider-Man movie and the way they make him look there... I mean, it's much simpler. I mean, it looks better without the mask and just in the the way that they dress him up made him look even creepier. So Willem Dafoe is as Norman Osborn, top notch as Green Goblin through no fault of his own. Doesn't quite match the gravitas of the hero here, in my opinion. Fair enough, Kathy. I agree. I think Willem Dafoe was perfect in this role. I don't have the same issues or concern with the costume. I kind of thought it was very comic book looking. But again, that's what I'm here for is to throw a wrench in everything y'all have to say amazing about, oh, the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it. I thought he was a great villain. His internal struggles are something a lot of people can relate to. No, that's fair. That's a really good point that we didn't talk about. The mental anguish that Norman Osborn is running that company was under. One thing I made a note of, it's kind of an ABC on how to make a superhero villain. You piss him off. You take away his money. You not inject, inject. him with an experimental drug. Yeah, <laughs> he did exactly. That to himself. True. You know, there you have your superhero villain. It's a good formula. All right, let's double back and score him. Highlander, 1986. The Kurgan. Did you give it a nine or a ten, Jason? <laughs> I gave it a nine. I was saving it for this, but Kathy... Laid it out perfectly. One note, but a very strong note. Very physical presence. Probably one of my favorite villains on screen. So, nine. Match game. Match game. Jared doesn't dig on rapists, so he did not get the full ten. That was icky. All right. Spider-Man 2002. Green Goblin. Jason, given what you've said, I feel like you've got an eight in store for us. Am I right? You read my mind. Willem Dafoe was perfect casting for the role of Green Goblin, and just visually, it didn't quite quite work for me. Match game again. So that's four match games for us on this episode so far. I agree with you. I think, like, 
awesome Norman Osborn. And I think if they'd gone more prosthetics rather than Power Ranger, it would have been. But I need, like, he's such a good performer. Don't hide him in a Power Ranger helmet, right? That's the thing. Anyway, Kathy, you got the one bullet to give. Are you going to uh, spin a web of any size or attempt to live forever? That's a lot of consternation she's got on her face right now. This one's my toughest one. I don't know. Do you have a coin nearby? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to try to salvage my um, guest appearance on the show. And I think I'm going to give my sniper bullet to the Green Goblin. Willem Dafoe thanks you from the bottom of his heart. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. And that is the end of round three. I'll give it to Jason for round four. I'm going to kill them all, sir. All right, I'll pick it up from here. We're going to talk about spectacle. We're going to talk about how engaging visually and audibly the movie is overall. We're talking about action sequences. We're talking about sets. We're talking about special effects, score, soundtrack, all that stuff put together, all the things that make the film great. And we'll start it off with Highlander, and we'll start it off with Kathy. What are your thoughts on the spectacle of Highlander? Scotland, London, New York City. It's amazing. I mean, I want to go to all those places. Sword fights, you can't go wrong. Destroying buildings, you can't go wrong. I mean, it is a perfect example of spectacular, spectacular. Agree 100%. Enough said. Jared. Let me say more about the spectacle of Highland. Kathy's absolutely right. The locations are stunning. Like she said, sword fights. You know how like you watch some movies from the 80s and you're like, oh, I wish they'd remake that now so we could have better sword play and stuff. I don't know that I'd remake this one. But one of the things that will always stick with me about this movie, and everybody get comfortable. I got a lot to say about spectacle for this movie. I sit there with my jaw on the floor during that last battle between him and the Kurgan. Because, I mean, it starts at the roof. They fall in the building. Like, once they fall in the building, the director, uh, Russell, does this really cool thing where he puts the camera on a track. And it's called li- a Luma, a Luma camera. <laughs> they're literally kicking it so it can arc around these guys. So they're basically like matrix scene before matrix scene was the thing while they're fighting. So you get these huge, sweeping, sweeping shots. They're so smooth. And the music behind it is killing it. They had these dudes each with a car battery attached wires running up their clothing so they could spark with those swords touching. Yeah. I watched the director's commentary too. Long time ago. Cap. These are things I remember. Hey, details. There's so much detail work. Another thing I remember all the time I think about this movie is the incredible transitions from the parking lot to Scotland as the camera pans up. There's a real cool transition when they go to the zoo. I can't remember what it maybe had something to do with the lions. I can't remember. Every transition from past to present has something real smooth. They go from like the water, the lake to the fish tank in his office. And it's like, details like that is what sells the movie. It's just like every transition smooth. Every effect just looks so damn cool. And it's all practical. It's all practical. And Oh, by the way, you have the soundtrack by queen, which is killer. No pun intended. <laughs> it's killer. It's a killer soundtrack. Everything looks great. Everything feels great. It's just one of those movies that you put on, you go, they did this in 86. They it, look at the craft. Look at the craft. It's a 10. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll score it later. All right, Kathy, you said you had a couple other things you wanted to say about it before we move on. What I do love about these fight scenes with the swords is it looks raw and so real. 
like they're heavy. Like you can tell that they're struggling to pick up. Like these swords look like they weigh a hundred pounds a piece. Other than the backflips in the director's cut, that was a weird that addition. First fight scene, which was atrocious. You gotta I, give I think- it up for Fazil, though, man. He was like, "I've been practicing this like for twenty years. I'm gonna use it." <laughs> Look right at my backflips. So <laughs> impractical, it makes no sense to me. But anyway, <laughs> when uh, I saw that, the, I gotta talk about this now. When I saw that in the director's cut, I was like. Did it add anything? No. Did it make things slightly more ridiculous? Yes. But I get why they did it. They're like, we had that dude do 40 backflips. The least we can do is put him in the direction. I've never understood that with any movie that has a fight scene where they're doing backflips and stuff. It's like, it's kind of like the whole Indiana Jones thing. While the guy's sitting there swinging his sword around doing all this, Indy just shoots him because it's like, you know, you know. You make a great point, though, because... Your point about the sword fights, feeling raw and looking real. They're not, you're right. They're not Hollywood eyes. There's not like, I'll make a weird comparison here, but there's a, a, a movie I really like called uh, Punisher Warzone. And it's really good because throughout almost the whole movie, he's very tactical and it all feels real. There's one really weird spot where he hangs from a chandelier upside down, spins, and it kind of looks cool, but it kind of takes you out of it, which is go, if you can follow my metaphor, yeah weird flippage and all that when all your other combat is very grounded and solid. I track. That is a cool point. Well, let's pass it over to Spider-Man. Let's talk about the effects of Spider-Man. And uh, Kathy, we know your thoughts on Tobey Maguire, but what are your thoughts on the overall effects from the 2002 movie? Were they impressive? Do they still hold up? What do you think? I think they do actually hold up. Like I said, I like the way the story moves forward. It's very concise. It gives you everything you need to know. I think his costume is great. I think the web scenes, I don't know what you call them, the swinging from building to building, I think those were still great. Called web flinging, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, web, web slinging. Web, web slinging. slinging. Web swinging. <laughs> web swinging. <laughs> I enjoy this movie. I don't want the listeners to think that I don't like this movie because I do. I enjoy it. You just squint your eyes and pretend like it's Andrew Garfield when he's on the screen, don't you? Exactly. All right. Poor Toby. Jared, what are your thoughts on the spectacle of Spider-Man? Jason, let me regale you with my thoughts on the spectacle of Spider-Man. Okay, the most obvious elephant in the room that we have to talk about is, you know, we talk a lot about movies from the early 2000s and the CGI on here, and holy cow, it holds up. It doesn't look bad. So apparently there's a way to do it right. And I can distinctly remember the Marvel Studios folks talking about that, saying, you know, we basically... And they may have been BSing or not, but they basically were saying part of the reason we ain't had a Spider-Man movie till now is web slinging had to look right. And the effects weren't there for that yet. And man, I go back. I just watched it. Like I said, VHS maybe hides a lot, but I did also watch it maybe six months ago. Jay got it to a Spider-Man kick and we watched it like DVD. And I was sitting there watching. I was like, man, these effects really hold up. I think really the only thing that dates it to 2002 is Macy Gray, because that was like the year she was popular. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. It's not a slam on me. I like, I liked her songs when they were came out, but like what happened to her? I don't, I don't even it was know. Macy Gray. <laughs> she was singing at the downtown event with all the, Oh, okay. And, that was her. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you don't remember who she was, no, <laughs> but, no. but I remember she was popular at that time, but I'm just like, I don't remember. That was one of the only scenes that I'd, did think didn't hold up as well around that time was the fall with Mary Jane. When she finally falls off the balcony, that's the only thing I remember thinking, Oh, that doesn't look so good. But everything else I didn't have any issues with at all. To me, it was the pumpkin bomb that like turned those guys into skeletons. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> weird. Cool. Maybe, I did watch, maybe I did watch the wrong movie. I don't remember that at all. But not Jason, at the end of the day, I didn't necessarily take it out on Willem Dafoe in our villain category, but I, I think that Power Rangers thing is going to take its biggest hit here because that's, to me, the most distracting thing about it. But again, to get a Spider-Man movie right, you've got to get web-slinging right. And let's be honest, web-slinging looks great. They knew just how to end it. The swinging up to the American flag. This was just post-2001. I think they even had to remove towers in post-production because I remember the trailer came out and there was towers and then there weren't. So it's got a bit of sadness to it, but they were smart enough to know the audience was very patriotic at the time. And Spider-Man just looks so cool on that flagpole. Like that's, that's like Marvel comics right there. So yeah. I saw something. I think they added that scene where all the people were throwing stuff to kind of show that how America was really coming together Mm -hmm. at that time. And I also saw that I think one of the posters had the towers on it Mm -hmm. and they they pulled all those. Yeah posters had the towers reflected in spider-man's eyes and then they had to pull those and change out the posters and apparently if you got your hands on one of those world trade center uh, posters they go for a bit of money these days the uh the regular poster does too which i have framed just off to my <laughs> i know you do it used to be an original it may have been replaced i don't know <laughs> you, know, you think it's we- original can we go back for a second and talk about, because we were talking about all the special effects. We didn't discuss the Kurgan's death scene. Mm-hmm. Go on. That was awful. I'm not going to lie. The special effects when he his neck was coming this off. That's all the time we have for Kathy on the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, now, I, now, I'm not going to lie. I did. I've watched this movie like four times in the past week. The animation that they did when he was getting the prize. I kind of dug that, but just that whatever that was when the Kurgan died was just, uh-uh. I would give you, especially if you watch it in HD, like when they hoist him up and they clearly have like lightning bolts going up to cover the wires. But like when his head comes off and the energy comes, that doesn't bother me at all. Not one bit. I just, Maybe it's because I saw it as, as in my youth and I just accept it. I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me one bit. I don't know. It just, to me, that was the one part that really, really, really did not hold up to me. It just, it look like i could have done it all right not a fan of kurgan's death scene any other thoughts on spider-man before we score him <laughs> pretty sure the green goblin got stabbed in the junk <laughs> i think, I think you're right I think- actually now his death scene i quite liked i thought that was kind of cool like- <laughs> he had gone i'm a tummy feathers <laughs> would have been the best <laughs> ah, it's a one it ruffled my tummy feathers let's get this thing back on track and score these suckers jared what are you going to give the score for Spectacle for Highlander? I know that it's fairly obvious that they're hiding wires when he gets the quickening, the prize at the end. I don't care. It's a 10. Flawless victory. This movie's a 10. I love it. I love everything about it. Blowing out your ass, everybody else. <laughs> All right. I've been patiently waiting on this because to me, and I was watching this through the lens of my son who watched it with me. Like the sword fighting doesn't really hold up to me. The Not you say. Oh no! If you watch like The Witcher or something like that, there's some great sword fighting in there. No, Hollywood you, fanciful doesn't look real. But if you watch even that little YouTube thing that you watch about which fights are are most realistic, Witcher tops. Like they're like these guys know what they're doing. So when I'm thinking of this team, the folks that brought brought us John Wick. 
Henry Cavill doing a remake. I'm getting a little bit excited because I want to see some upgraded fight scenes. I want some upgraded sword fight scenes. You do know he's supposed to be in the remake, right? Is That's that what, what I'm saying. saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm excited. I'm, ne- I'm never going to put Henry Cavill above Christopher Lambert. I probably ever. won't either. Not as far as the character is concerned, but for the spectacle piece of it, I'm intrigued. So I landed on a seven. Ow. The next Batman moment here, folks. 707-532-5269 is the phone number to call to let Jason know how disappointed you are in him. 707-532-LBOX. Come on, y'all know I'm right. Y'all know I'm right. Even if you were, you still got to give it up for soundtrack. Those cool transitions, the way it was directed. The sweet it's camera. queen, Jason. It's queen. He says you there can. can be only one in every glass. Come on, man. It's, it's Sean Connery I think I'm, and Queen. I think I'm Jason. I'm 10-year-old Jason on Raiders of Lost Ark. I think you are. I think you are. <laughs> Which is about the age you would have been when you were watching. Because I've 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 been doing my own sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! All right. Well, we are uh, we're worlds apart on this one, but we've given our scores. Let's talk about spectacle for Spider-Man. Jared, what are you landing on? I'm going to give it surprising for a 2002 movie with lots of CGI. I'm going to give it a nine. I still think it's fun to watch. I enjoy the sweeping score, which I believe was Elfman, Danny Elfman. You know, can't really believe so. Yeah, can't really go wrong. And like. And he didn't retread the Batman. He gave it a new sound. And I stay so visually engaged. I really enjoy it. So it, it, it has that Sam Raimi feel. Just sort of one step out of sync, much like Tim Burton on Batman. Step Raimi's got that one step out of sync with reality, where it feels comic booky, but it still feels a little grounded, if that makes sense. I gave it a nine. No, it does make sense. I mean, he directed this recent Doctor Strange movie, and you feel it there as well. You know, again, we're not far off on this one, Jared. I gave it an eight. I hadn't watched this movie in a long time. And so when I put it on, again, I watched it with my son. And as we watched it together, my thought was, this is holding up way better than I hoped. I hope Drake likes this. And he did. He said, for 2002, this is this is really good. So I think we're seeing things pretty eye to eye on that one. Nine from you, eight from me. And that just leaves the sniper. Who's getting the bullet on this one, Kathy? It's going to have to be Highlander. That's also partly because, never mind, never mind. That was going to be stupid. I was trying to make a joke about the Frasers from Outlander, but neither one of y'all watch Outlander, so never mind. No, Kathy, we're No, men. that's a girl show. <laughs> I, said, I said we're men and Jason says the girl show. <laughs> we didn't even Van, plan it. <laughs> Van, Van watches it. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, he's a Frasier. That's who they were fighting in the whole battles in Scotland. <sighs> Frasiers versus the McLeods. But anyway. Okay. I didn't realize the other family was the Frasiers. <laughs> this is what I meant to bring up earlier about costumes. Because she was wearing a Frasier tartan. The picture in her house that he looks at and makes a face about. It was a Frasier tartan on the portrait in her house when he goes to her apartment. Really? That's why he looks at it and he was like. Oh, okay. I never, I never that got that. Her ja- her jacket when she shows up at the scene with the dead body, it's red and black. It's like Frasers are red, McLeods are blue. Like Bloods and Crips. I'm exactly. I did not know this. 
Did up on the director's commentary, or is it strictly through your Outlander knowledge? How did you learn it? I noticed the portrait in the apartment, and I was like, wait, is that the part? Because I didn't know it was Frasier at the time. I saw it in the portrait, and I was like, wait, is that the clan that he was fighting against? Because I do remember the red versus blue. But then in the director's commentary, he said he hated her costume with the red tartan. Later on, she's wearing a blue plaid shirt too but anyway interesting i'm gonna have to watch this whole movie again i got another reason to watch it <laughs> and, and fyi kilts did not exist in the 1500s apparently they were not invented till the 1700s quick editor's note kathy's referring to the knee-length kilt as we know it today it was indeed not invented until the 1700s the term kilt has been around since the 1500s but that garment was more of a full-length garment, not a knee-length garment. So please don't send any angry letters in about kilt history to Kathy because she is correct in what she is talking about here. And let's get back to her interesting inside knowledge on the history of Scottish clothing. So he said that if that fight was real, they would have been naked fighting with wood. <laughs> or anything, <laughs> or anything now they can get talking their, our language, dude. <laughs> or now anything they can get their hands on. <laughs> that didn't make it any better. All right, <laughs> I got a two-handed claymore. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move on. Let's just tell. Let's all move on. <laughs> Cutting you off. Round five. Feel kind of invincible. Round five is best action scene. So that's Jason's job. Let's all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Excuse me while I whip this out. All right, Highlander, six action scenes. Number one, McLeod versus Facile in the garage. Or, this facility is not responsible for damage to your vehicles while on the premises. <laughs> it might be my favorite one you've ever done. Number two, Clan McLeod versus, I thought they were the Kurgans, but you said they were the Frasers? That would be correct, the Frasers. Okay. Or... Remember, guys, we're not savages. When we're done here, let's leave this place cleaner than how we found it. <laughs> I like it. Responsible. <laughs> Number three. This is the one. There's always got to be that one that's on the one. edge right there. There we go. McLeod versus Kurgan, round two. Or Brenda likes the way he wields that pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Ramirez versus Kurgan. Or Heather what the heck happened to our castle? Go get McJake from State Farm. That was Kathy's. <laughs> McJake from McState Farm. I did the McJake, but the the whole uh, concept was Kathy's. I thought I thought it was. Oh, oh, hard. you're you're giving him notes now. You're, you're writing bits for Jason. <laughs> I was just I was testing out bits on her. I was just throwing them out, and she said, "What about this one?" And I was like, "That's better than mine. I want to take it. It's not bad." Now, this next one is my personal favorite, but you got to like think about it a little bit. The Kurgan versus Castagir in the alley, or don't loose your lead. Got it. Got it? Okay. All right. That was my favorite. <laughs> and then finally, number six, McLeod versus Kurgan, final battle, or Brenda, would you like to die a vow? Die a vow. Because she was hanging on the silver cup. The silver cup thing. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yep. Okay. Of those six, is anyone not picking the final battle? Jason, what are you going with? Final battle was good. I also like... No, it's the final battle. Of course, it's the final <laughs> battle. What are we talking about here? Number six, final battle. Kathy, favorite action scene? 
I like the Jake from State Farm. I really love him. And I do. I like love, him. Uh, no, that's fine. Sean Connery on the castle. Yeah. If I was going to pick one that wasn't Final Battle, it'd be that one. Yeah, that's my second. Very cool. Okay, so we've got the Busted Up Castle. We got two for the final battle. We'll come back and score those momentarily. Jason, Spider-Man, spin your webs any size. All right, here we go. Basically, I only came up with four for this one. I mean, there are some like montage things in there, but I just really focused on these key four. Number one, I thought I would include it, Spider-Man versus Bonesaw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or Bonesaw, the heel of my foot, smashing repeatedly between his eyes. Because <laughs> you turned it into a verb. <laughs> I did. Bone saw. Number two, Spider-Man versus Green Goblin at the festival. Or, I think Mary Jane just pooped herself. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Spider-Man versus Green Goblin in a burning building. Or, that is one ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And number four, Spider-Man versus Green Goblin, final battle, or, and this is a question, why didn't Green Goblin use one of those pumpkin bombs that, like, incinerated folks? Did he only uh, have, like, one of those? Maybe, like, he was yeah. one and done with that? He's like, oh, he used it too soon. That's <laughs> <Shot. laughs> Okay. There's two of us, Jared. Two of us. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. That's Every third month, I, I boot up the computer and go, <sighs> so that's it. All right, Jason, you laid out the four. Which one's your favorite? I'm going to go with the Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin final fight. I thought that one was really, really good. Very intense. And we talked a little bit about it. I liked how the hoisted on his own petard ending was nearly identical to how it happened in the comic. So that's, that's my choice. That's true. That's true. Kathy, favorite action scene of those uh, Jason laid out? I completely agree. It's the final battle. I mean, like you said, he got stabbed in the junk. <laughs> Mm. There you go. I have a hard time between that one and the time they fought in the f- flames. I thought that was just cool. Spidey's flipping and spinning. That was my number two. And that's the time he uses the little razor rings. Oh, yeah, and the, I love the way that Spidey flips, you know, uses the Spidey sense. and does It was the, very you, Matrix-y in that scene, too. It was. It was. And, and very Spider from the comics. Again, I know, Kathy, you don't have quite the background, but that's like one of Spider-Man's big things is he's so agile. It's like he's so hard to hit. He's just so hard to hit. But I'll join the team. That final battle. Nothing wrong with that. Let's go back and score them. Two out of three of us like the final battle with the Kurgan at the end. Jason, on a one to ten, what do you think? I'm giving that one an eight. Like you said, it still holds up today. You can overlook the wires if you've got a Blu-ray or even a DVD. So, yeah, eight for me on this one. It's weird. I really thought you would be the bigger homer for Highlander than me, but I gave it a nine. Just because, to me, it's so... uh, Epic and sweeping are the words I keep using, but it's in the same category as some of those blade fights where sometimes I'll just pop it in and just skip to watch that scene because I'm just like in the mood to watch that scene. So I gave it a nine over to Spider-Man. We all liked the final battle with the Green Goblin. Jason, you liked the tune of? Same as uh, Highlander gave it an eight on this one. We're going to go out with a match game then because I gave it an eight as well. And all that's left to do is ask Kathy which movie she thought had better fight scenes overall. I'm a sucker for sword fights so i'm going highlander roger that well i guess that just leaves it to me and we're gonna go to the round of the ridiculous are we gonna take any points off of highlander jared like i said before highlander itself as a concept is ridiculous but it's so well executed i'm sitting here racking my brain now nah, i got nothing to take away from highlander 
Yeah, I thought about it as well. There's, I mean, <laughs> okay, director's cut. We kind of we could cut out those uh, flips from the zeal <laughs> we talked about, but that was director's cut. That was director's cut. So we'll leave that that alone. So nothing for me either. It's probably well, worth mentioning though that since we did bring up director's cut, I do really like the scene that shows more of his history with Rachel. I did too. When he found her in World War II. It gives more weight to her performance because as an adult, like later in the film in the 80s, what is she, about 50 or something like that? Yeah, because she would have been about 10 in the 40s. Yeah, she would have been about 50. 50. The point I'm 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 saying, though, is like her performance was pretty good, but like I think you see more behind it. To me, it looks like she went from being a daughter figure to perhaps even a lover at one time to now a motherly figure. Like she's gone through this arc with him. Yeah. I just thought it was really cool. Just a good ad. I feel like it would be losing so much not knowing that relationship. Well, we didn't know it for years until that, <laughs> until that uh, director's cut came out. But it adds a lot. You're right, Kathy. It adds a ton. Yeah, I think to me that was probably the most significant ad. And probably the one thing that I regret that they cut out from the theatrical yep. release. All right. Taking anything off for Spider-Man. I'm not going to take any points off of Spider-Man. Cool. All right. Nothing from Spider-Man. I don't have anything to take away either. I'm not going to double bash on him for the Green Goblin because we've already taken away points. And that is the end of our official rounds. All right, folks. Don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you at Action Film Face Off. For those of you playing Match Game, we had five Match Games. We were very close most of the time until Jason screwed up and gave Highlander a seven in Spectacle. But most of the time, we were very, very close. And we had five Match Games. The other math I would like to point out is Kathy gave four of her bullets to Highlander and one to Spider-Man. Sorry, Toby. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 95 to 89... Highlander. There can be only one! Congratulations to Highlander! Let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. And I will bring a film from Choose Your Destiny 2000. What will those films be? We're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. We're looking at you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until that time, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. The Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all Yard Sale Artists. Or you can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I do have a Spider-Man piece, but no Highlander piece. Not yet. Kathy, where can they find you? You can find me at aukathy2418. That's Kathy with a K. On Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. And YouTube. Excellent. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much all your finer podcatchers, some of the sketchier ones. You can go to www.longboxcrusade.com. You can even find our show now on 
YouTube. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media. It's at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And of course, you can comment on the YouTubes or you can leave us a voicemail 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Okay, uh, you can also find our live stream events, of course, on YouTube, mostly the second Sunday of each month, but just keep an eye out for that. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Cast and crew is as follows. It stars Christopher Lambert, Clancy Brown, and Seam Connery. Yep, there's a typo in my script, and I'm going to read it as it's written. <laughs> Let me try that again. No, leave it as Seam. That's hilarious. Thanks. They do that Tarzan yell with the French accent. Outtakes. I've never heard of this band, Queen. I'll have to check them out. Welcome to Queencast. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht. This is my co-host, Jason Albrecht. And, oh, man. Anyway, Jason. FYI, that was sarcasm for people who do not know me. <laughs> That's we're going to we yeah. get letters. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I add one more bit of trivia? I can't stop you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kathy, you said you had a couple other things you wanted to say about it before we move on. Not anymore, I don't. I do want to say that I the craft, actually... <laughs> the craft, Kathy. <laughs> Whatever. What's the point of me even being on this show if I can't throw in my trivia nuggets from watching commentary that y'all never talk about? Girls. We like to have girls around. <laughs> um, Laurel don't show up to work. 